Thanks for checking out the Anchor Faith Message Podcast from St. Augustine, Florida. Now enjoy this message. We've been in a series called The Beginning and the End. We're talking about the kingdom of God because the earth needs the kingdom. It was always God's design that his kingdom would be in the earth and the only government that functioned here. Are you hearing me? It's the only authorized one. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The one in its original intent. And so we see in Revelation 22, verse 13, it says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. But we've learned here at Anchor Faith Church that many places preach not the beginning or the end. They preach the middle. They preach from the fall till the catching away of the church. And that's their whole focus. But the problem is when you're only focused on the fall and the catching away of the church, well, then you miss the original intent of man and what we're supposed to be doing. And you'll miss what happens in the end. Because a lot of times people say, I've read the back of the book, we win. Well, they only say that because they heard a song sing it and so they say it. But they actually hadn't even read the back. Because in their mind, if you talk to most believers today, you say, well, what, what happens when we die or when Jesus comes? What, well, we're caught up with him. We'll live with him forever in heaven. But the Bible does not support that. Does not support that. And so if you, you need to be able to read the beginning and the end, the beginning is Genesis 1-2, before the fall, and then Revelations 21 and 22. What takes place after the devil is thrown into the bottomless pit, um, or not the bottomless pit, thrown into the lake of fire, which is the second death. And then all those that never called on the name of the Lord, when that, after that event takes place, the great white throne judgment, some other events are going to take place. Right. And it's amazing when you get over to Revelation 21, that all of a sudden he says that he'll make a new heaven and a new earth. Well, if we're going to live in heaven forever, why is a new earth being made? Amen. So it requires us then to rightly divide the word of truth and start from the beginning and go all the way to the end of the book. Amen. So we see then also when it comes to beginnings, John 1, 1 says this. He says, in the beginning was the was the word and the word was with God. And the word was God. Now, who is the word? Jesus. What's his name? Jesus. What's his name? Jesus. Jesus. So Jesus was in the, he was in the beginning. <laughs> he was in the beginning. So Jesus has been in the earth before sin entered. I said before sin in, entered. And there was a way the earth was to function based upon the design because the word was in the beginning. Are you hearing me? The word was in the beginning. The word is a part of creation. Look at Romans chapter one, verse 20. It says, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine what? Nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. We can just tell by what we see in creation that there is God. Now, what I like about this verse is it says that he has eternal power, but he also has a divine nature. What is his nature? What is the nature of God? Now, I think we would say love, obviously, because God is love. And we've taught a whole lot on love recently, have we not? Amen. But we also, and we know this because God is love and the word is God. So then the word is love. And the word never violates love, neither does love ever violate the word. They're never in opposition to one another. Are you hearing me? But there's a divine nature with God. Well, you know what? He's sovereign. First Timothy chapter six, verse 15 calls him a potentate in the, King, in the New King James. That just means he's sovereign. He has divine power. He's the king of and the Lord of So his divine nature is that of the king. Now, here's the thing. We love Savior Jesus because we know, according to Genesis 3, there's a fall. 
sin has entered the world. And all of us have sinned and fallen what? Short of the glory of God. But the reality is, is that most of us love Savior Jesus because we don't want to go to hell for all of our wrongdoing, but Lord Jesus is a whole nother ball game. Do you know you can be saved by, from, you can be saved by someone you don't like? All right. You know, someone can save you that you don't ever hang out with nor have a relationship with. Jesus saved us from death. But that doesn't guarantee relationship. Amen. Everyone loves the preaching of Savior. But we know here at Anchor Faith Church, if Adam had never eaten the fruit, Jesus never would have come as Savior. Never would have came. But he's always been Lord. I said he's always been Lord. Lord is not a religious word. It means supreme in authority. And Jesus has always had supreme authority. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You know what? John chapter 18 gives us an insight of his divine nature as well. Because we focus so much on the lamb that was slain. And is he the lamb that was slain? Yes. Savior's what he did. Lord is who he is. And there's a difference. There's a difference. Jesus was talking to Pilate at the time of his crucifixion, that he has been handed over to him by uh, his, the chief priest and his nation. And so Pilate is carrying on a conversation with him. We'll pick up in the 33rd verse of John chapter 18. And it says, when Pilate entered in to have a conversation with Jesus, he asked this question. Are you a religious figure bringing Christianity? No, he said, are you the king of the Jews? Now, does Pilate know who a king is? Does Pilate have a king? Pilate does. His name's Caesar because Pilate was the governor of Rome. Pilate is a government guy, an appointed official from Rome into the territory of Jerusalem where he was to make sure that the inhabitants of Jerusalem conformed to the culture of Rome. That was the assignment of the governor, that he was to enforce the laws of the homeland that he was not living in. He wasn't in Italy. He was in Israel. He wasn't in the city of Rome. He was in Jerusalem, but he was functioning in Jerusalem as though he was in Rome. That's where the the adage is, when in Rome, do as the Romans do, right? Right? because there became some rebellion. See, Rome did something no other country did before them. When other countries came in and conquered land or conquered another nation, they would strip the land of all of its resources. They would take the people captive and bring them back to their home country or to their capital, and they would force them as slaves. But Rome did not get into the relocation program. Rome, when they conquered, said, I'll send people, a governor, and 300 citizens plus an army that will enforce our culture in the land and strip them of their identity identity where they're at. They'll become Romans without ever having to see Rome. And when this government hit, the Lord said, it's time for Jesus to come because that looks like the original intent of what I expected. Say, well, what do you mean, pastor? Well, what did Jesus pray? Pray. Jesus said, now, when you pray, pray this way, our father, whose father, not just his, but ours. Our Father, your kingdom come, come. your will be done done. on earth earth as it is in. God always intended heaven's realm to be in the earth realm. That its culture in heaven would manifest on the earth. That's why when God created man in his image according to his likeness, the culture of the earth prior to the fall looked like heaven on earth. Hallelujah. And Adam looked like his God. Praise the Lord. Jesus then, in answering this, he says to him, 
Are you speaking on your own initiative or did others tell you about me? Now, what's the implication here? Did you figure out I was a king on your own or did somebody tell you I was a king? He did not say, I'm not a king. I'm the lamb that was slain. I'm a nobody. <laughs> no, he goes on. Pilate says, I'm not a Jew, am I? Your own nation chief priest delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus says, what? My now, he is acknowledging he has a kingdom. Kingdom, if you split the word, means king's dominion. So Jesus is admitting, I am a king of a domain. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. Now, most people are like, there it is. See, the kingdom's not on the earth. That's not what Jesus is saying. Let's go on. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then... My servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom's not of this realm. What he's saying is, my kingdom does not operate like worldly kingdoms. My kingdom's not of this world. It's not of the systems that you are used to. As a king, I don't function like the kings of the earth. He said, if I function like the kings of the earth... My army or, or, or my servants would not let me be handed over. Now, you understand he's saying this after Peter has cut off a man's ear in the garden. Right? He cuts off the high priest's servant's ear. The Lord says, put your sword away. If you live by the sword, you'll die by the sword. He heals the guy's ear, and then he says this to Peter. Don't you know that I could call a legion of angels down? What's he saying? I can call my army, my special forces. If I function like the world's kings, I would bring my army. Now, he has released some angels in our history book, in the document of, of who we are as a culture. There was one angel that came down to help Israel when they were fighting the nation of the Midianites. And the Bible says one Angel, just one, conquered 185,000 men. Just one. If he brought a legion, and a legion's anywhere from 2,000 to 6,000 soldiers. I mean, we're talking smoking the planet, people. Are you hearing me? I mean, he could conquer it by right of bringing his army. But then he would be the only man alive. <laughs> he said, my kingdom's not of this realm. Pilate says, so you are king. Look what Jesus says. Jesus says, you say what? You say what? That I am a king. Man, we love Savior Jesus. We love the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. But we are not used to his kingship. But Jesus did not come just as Savior of the world. He came as king, the only king who could save. Because he's looking for a nation, a nation God always intended that he would have. Are you hearing me? He goes, he says, you say correctly that I'm a king for this. I've been born and for this I have come into the earth to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. In essence, everything you're seeing now in the seen realm, in the realm of sight, hearing, smelling, touching, um, um, whatever other sense I just missed off, tasting. The, you are ruled by your sight, but I'm going to bring you a kingdom that you don't have to live by sight. You can live by faith. Now, faith sounds spiritual, but faith is not a spiritual word, be honest with you, because faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God. In essence, faith is the natural, supernatural way of causing the king's voice to materialize what he says in this seen planet. Are you hearing me? We always, all of us are functioning this way with our own government. March was my birthday. Thank you for all your gifts. I appreciate it. But I received, while I was gone over to Naples to do our Rama uh, ministers conference, that when I got back home, I had a letter from the 
from Flagler County, from the government office. I opened it up and it has this little yellow sticker. And on that yellow sticker, it says 24. And then it has my license, my tag number printed on it. I will take this little sticker, I will put it on my camper, and it will be authorized in right standing. It will be righteous with the government and communicates to the law enforcement if they ever pull up behind me that I can legally pull this thing around. By faith, I believe the words on that little yellow sticker has the power to keep the law from pulling me over. I read it and it tells me this is my tag for the next year. Because currently, right now, if I was to go get my camper and pull it off the, the property, it would be illegal. I would be in sin. Okay. How would the governing authorities know I was in sin? They'd say, that's a 23. This person's, this expired on his birthday, March 11th. It expires on your birthday, not at the end of the month. They changed that. You need to know that. I thought you got to the end of the month. That's not true. When your birthday hits, it's expired. That means you're in sin. Because sin is simply disobeying the governing authority. So I'm not pulling it off the property in sin. I'll just cover it. <laughs> I'll cover the 23 with a 24. I got another word for it. <laughs> I got a word for it this year. And it has the power. The power that I can freely go anywhere in the United States with it. I do not have to take uh, the... Uh, individual that is over uh, that area, Department of uh, Motor Vehicles, with me. They do not have to sit in my vehicle and verify. Oh, okay. So when we say faith, we're saying, what does the king say? And when we live according to that, we're authorized. We're authorized. So Jesus knows he's a king because he has a divine nature. His divine nature is that of a king. Look at this in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. It says this, For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Notice Jesus did not create one religion. He created thrones. Thrones are in kingdoms, not religions. He created dominions, that is areas by which someone rules over. He created rulers, those that would rule domains. He created authorities, those who are authorized to speak on behalf of the king in the area they are authorized to rule and have dominion over. Hallelujah. And all things were created through him and for him. Praise the Lord. So we see here that Jesus is the creator. He's in the beginning. The word is in the beginning. The Bible's the beginning and the end. Let's quit reading and only preaching from the middle. Let's make sure our middle is in context with our beginning and end. Amen. Genesis 1-1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Right? And if you continue to read this from here on down all the way up to verse 26, so through that, there's a recurring theme that takes place. And the recurring thing is this, then God said, and it was. Then God said, and it was. So what we see here is it's a precedent-setting event. It's the first time that we recognize God's divine nature when it comes to creation. That because he's king, because he's ruler, because he has dominion and a kingdom, when he speaks, it happens. When he says, it comes to pass. The reason why many people struggle 
with the things Jesus say is because they only view him as a savior and not as a king. Because when they view him only as a savior, then they'll question his capacity. Why is that? What capacity am I talking about? Well, now you saved me from my sins so that I don't die and go to hell. And when I leave my body, I'll be present with you in heaven. But now to heal my body, I'm not sure you want to do that. To prosper me, I'm not sure you want to do that. Because all that really matters is that I ask you to come to my heart and save me so when I die, I go to heaven. But that is not all that matters. That's just the door into the kingdom. Jesus says, I'm going to show you the entrance. Because I'm not, I'm not taking you out of something and then you have nothing while you remain in the earth. The way into the kingdom that will now dominate the earth is through the blood of Jesus. You must be born again. What's he saying? Literally, it means born from above. In essence, he's saying you cannot buy your citizenship. You have to become a born citizen of my kingdom. And you can through the blood. I said you can through the blood. You can through the blood. Think about it right now. Anyone in the world that wanted the United States to be their citizenship, if they could go back in time and place themselves in another womb in the U.S. For many of them, they wouldn't have the struggles that they're having to get over here. But why do they want to come anyway? Because they're hearing it's the land of opportunity. It's a place where you can provide for your family. It's the, it's the place of freedom. This is what they're hearing from far away. And they'll risk their own lives to get to a better nation. Yet the Lord's like, you don't have to leave Brazil. You don't have to leave Cuba. You don't have to leave Nicaragua. You don't have to leave Iraq. All you got to do is be born of my kingdom and I'll bring my kingdom to your territory. Hallelujah. Because my kingdom is actually a global kingdom. It was the only one that was ever supposed to be here. And it's the only one that will ever remain. Hallelujah. So we see here the king speaks and it's done. He did not just die for us. He restored us. He redeemed us. He made us in Christ. Christ is the Greek equivalent to the Hebrew word Messiah, which is the anointed one in his anointing. And that just means the king. Because when Samuel, when God reject, when Israel rejected God as their king, read 1 Samuel chapter 8, he had Samuel anoint Saul. In essence, gave him kingship. Jesus was anointed. What did Jesus say in Luke chapter 18? The spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has, he has, he has. When did that anointing come? When John put him down in the Jordan River, pulled him back up, the Holy Spirit came out of heaven, fell upon him like a, uh, descended upon him like a dove and the anointing hit him without measure. And God said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. In essence, he announced, here's the king. The king is here. The king is here. The king is here. The king is here. John the Baptist did not, uh, was not announcing a savior alone. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. One time he said, there is the lamb that takes away the sins of the world. He acknowledged that there's something about his life that will help us get into redemption. But he recognized more importantly, this guy carries the kingdom. Look what it says in Psalms chapter 33, verse 4 through 9. It says, for the word of the Lord is upright and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. Don't even act like you, you want justice more than God. The earth is full of the loving kindness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. He gathers. Look at this. <clears throat> the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke 
and it was done. He what? He what? Commanded, and it stood fast. Glory to God. Well, that lets us know in Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 4, I've already alluded to this. And then over in verse 5, it says this, where the word of the king is, there is power. One translation says authority. Then verse 5, he who keeps his command, command will experience nothing harmful. Now, that doesn't mean you won't go through trials and tribulations, but it won't be able to destroy you, take you out, bring you down. Yea, though you may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil for his rod and his staff, they comfort you. You will go all the way through because when you stay with the command of the Lord, it'll come to pass. The Bible's about a king, his kingdom, and his royal offspring. It's always been about that because in the beginning, God demonstrated his kingship by speaking, and it happened. The earth did not resist him. It only obeyed. Glory to God. John, or Genesis 1:26. you know it, but we should read it again. Then God said... This is his decree. This is his will. Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. That means a carbon copy. You, you, Adam, by all rights, was the son of God. Now, he's not God in the flesh, but he was a son of God. When you read genealogies in one of the Gospels, and it goes down from where Jesus was born, and it gets back to creation, to Adam, it says, Adam, the son of God of God because he looked just like him. He could respond like him. This is why after uh, he was uh, started to breathe and move around, God brought him all the animals and say, now you name them. And whatever he decreed them to be, it was so. And he said, let them rule. Let them what? Have religious exercises. Sing kumbaya. Hope that God would do come and visit them on the earth every once in a while. Let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him what? Male and female. He created them, and God blessed them, and God said to them, look what he said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Not fill heaven. He wasn't like, Fill this earth because there's going to come a day I want you to actually come to heaven. <laughs> Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over every living thing that moves on the earth. So man was in the image of God, created in his likeness, and he himself was to be ruler. God would rule in his realm called heaven, and man ruled in this realm called earth, and God came down in the cool of the day, unhindered. It's God, Adam and Eve, in the garden, no sin. Perfect existence. But again, as I said, here's Adam. Just to remind you, we've said these. Adam is perfect. He is righteous. He is holy. He is blameless. He is without sin. And God doesn't know he loves him. All that was not enough for Adam to say, surely I love you because of this. The Lord says, I want to know you love me, Adam. So he said, Adam, you can eat from any tree of the garden. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For the day you eat, you will surely die. Let's look at this in Genesis chapter 2 so you can see it yourself. It says, Genesis 2, 15, starts earning verse 15, it says, Then the Lord God, the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to cultivate and keep it. Then the Lord God what? What did he do? The Lord God made a suggestion. The Lord says, on any given day when you're filling it. The Lord said, now if you're not too tired from cultivating and keeping, Because, you know, maybe you just don't want to go to a tree that's a little bit further out from the middle. The Lord God made a suggestion. Well, that's my opinion. Are you hearing me? 
You know, in our society today, we have a hard time when people just get commanded to do something. Don't tell me what to do. Oh, you're rebellious. The most dangerous word in the kingdom is independence. And the second most dangerous word is, re is rebellion. Because the minute you want to become independent of God, you will rebel. See, but his words are life. <laughs> I said his words are life. And all he wants is, Adam, just demonstrate you love me every day by keeping my word. What did Jesus say? He said this. He says, you'll know that they're my disciples because of the love for the brethren, right? And he says, if you love me, you will keep my word. And we've turned love into a feeling. When in God's eyes, love is you obeying. Then the Lord God commanded the man saying, from any tree of the garden you may eat freedom, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat it, you will surely die. That's why we say, if Adam had never eaten the fruit, where would he be today? He'd be on this planet. He would have never transitioned. He would have never gone into a grave. He would have never died. He would be right here. We would be able to go over and talk to him. We would actually all be a nation of holy people. Of the king kind. Because he would have reproduced after his own kind. But Adam ate the fruit. So when Adam ate the fruit, listen, listen he did not lose it. Uh, Adam lost the kingdom, not a religion. So therefore, the redemptive work of the creator would be the reestablishment of his kingdom on earth. Because God is obligated to his word. He said, the word that goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return unto me, what? Void, but it shall accomplish that which I was sent to do. Did God decree and declare man would have dominion? He did. So when Adam fell from dominion, God in Genesis 3 says, I'm going to bring my seed through the woman because I'm going to have what I say. In essence, there's an amendment. Because here, love came down into the garden. Adam has hidden himself in his religion. That's what fig leaves were. You trying to cover up that which doesn't allow you to get in his presence. Adam started religion. He was searching a way for him to look or to be that when God shows up, he could be in his presence, be accepted. But when he came in, he was afraid, even in all of his coverings. And he hid himself. I said he hid himself. And God said, where are you? Now, that doesn't mean he couldn't find him. You know that. That just means. He's like, where, what position are you in now? Right? What position? And so at that point, God says, now, how many times has Adam made a mistake? God is love. Does love forgive? Then why didn't God just come and say, son, wow, I hate that this happened. I'll just forgive you. Let's act like it didn't happen again. Don't eat again. Love did not do that. Love did not stop death from coming because love said death would come if you do this. Love created the condition for death to manifest and Adam brought death in. So love could not change that, nor could love let it go because love has to do what love says it to do. And love put his son and his wife out of the garden. But he had a plan. I'm going to bring my seed through a virgin. Now, it's not recorded that Adam and Eve had girls. But seriously, they obviously had females. You can't have a bunch of guys and all of a sudden, there'll be no other way to populate the planet. 
because when guys sleep together, they do not procreate. Doesn't happen. Right? Reminds me of this joke. I don't do jokes, but it, I'm going to bring it up right now. <laughs> Scientists came to the Lord and said, you know, we can do anything you can do. We've learned how to clone man. We can do it. You know, we don't need, we don't need you. don't need anything about you. We figured it out. So they grabbed some dirt. He says, you go get your own dirt. <laughs> so again, when science says, yeah, man can have a child. Well, where'd you get the egg that you inseminated in him? Go get your own egg. Are you hearing me? If everybody just went with the same sex, the generation would die. The whole planet would cease to exist in a generation. <laughs> you want to kill everybody off? Just sleep with somebody that looks like you. All right. Well, praise the Lord. So it's obviously a conflict to God's design. He said, be fruitful to multiply. So when people say God made me this way, that's a lie. Because that goes against the order of how he called man. Because the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and he wants to eliminate the human race. So he'll convince you, don't be fruitful and multiply so I can just eliminate you. Hallelujah. Adam did not lose a religion. And man, we're talking Christianity, 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 Christianity. And Jesus doesn't even talk about Christianity. Jesus just talks about the kingdom. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like this and the kingdom of God is like that. Every time he publicly preached, he said the kingdom of God is like this and the kingdom of God is like that. Jesus never publicly preached be born again. He preached it one time, spoke to one guy, one guy named Nicodemus in John chapter three, about two o'clock in the morning when he's like, man, you got to be from God. He says, unless a man's born again, he shall not enter the kingdom. Jesus was saying why you're born again. He didn't say unless a man's born again, he can't get to heaven. He didn't say it. He said, unless a man's born again, he can't see the kingdom, he can't enter the kingdom. Because what's this? This is about a kingdom. This is not about, this is not about you going to heaven. Now, at the end of the day, before you know you want to throw stones at me, I am not saying that you don't go to heaven. The Bible's very clear to be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. Notice it said present with the Lord. Well, where is the Lord presently? He's in heaven. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. So when I leave this suit, I'll be present with the Lord. But you know, Jesus is coming back. I said, Jesus is coming back. He's going to come back and call the rest of us that, are, that remain, change us in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we'll get caught up together with him in the air. And then we'll go do the uh, marriage supper of the Lamb. He'll reward us for our obedience to him when in our uh, uh, lordship existence while we were separated physically from him in this earth. But then after that period, he will return with us to the earth and he will reign on the same planet with the saints for a thousand years. And in those thousand years, sin will still be on the earth. I'll never see sin again when I die. Not true. Not true. You won't be subject to it, but you'll see it. You'll see it in other humans during the thousand-year millennial reign of Jesus. Just read the back of the book. And then after he releases the devil after that thousand years, you know, throws him into the bombless pit, but then releases him for a time, and he causes all the nation to rebel against Jesus, who's physically on the planet. He doesn't come back as a suffering servant, people. He's coming back as the king who reigns. He comes back with a scepter of iron. Love comes to rule. Amen. And then he'll wipe out the enemy and those who sided with him. He'll judge the dead, cast all into the lake of fire who are not, whose names are not written in the uh, Lamb's book of life. He'll throw all the ones that were reserved 
the uh, um, angelic spirits that left their proper do- uh, abode, he'll release, he'll throw them in there, the false prophet, the beast, Satan himself. And then he'll create a new heaven and a new earth. And the Bible says the new Jerusalem will come down out of heaven to the earth. So all this religion that keeps trying to get us to get to heaven, the Lord's like, I'm trying to come to the earth. See, kingdom is not a religion, but a government. It was never God's plan to establish religion. We said this last week, but it bears repeating right now. Religion preoccupies man until he finds the kingdom. Religion is what man does until he finds the kingdom. That means you're trying to do something to try to get God to be impressed with you so that when you die, you won't be eternally judged. The kingdom prepares man to leave earth. I mean, religion prepares man to leave earth, but the kingdom empowers man to dominate earth. Religion focuses on heaven, but the kingdom focuses on the earth. I know I'm going to heaven. I know I'll be present with the Lord. I know I'll be caught up together with him. I got that. But until that day comes, I'm making an impact here because God wants to make an impact here and God wants to demonstrate to the world who he is through his sons and daughters who are the kings of the earth. Religion is reaching up to God. The kingdom is God coming down to man. I mean, all you gotta do is read the Bible. Before sin entered, what did God do? He came down. He never said, Adam, get up here. I want to talk to you. He came down. After he fell, he would come down in a pillar, a cloud, or a pillar of fire. He'd come down as, as the anointing upon the prophet, priest, and king. He would come down. He would come down. Then he came down in Jesus. Then he came down with the Holy Ghost. And now we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Jesus' name was Emmanuel, which is what? God can't wait to see you. The God of heaven wish you were up here. No, God with us. Where are you at? On the earth. God's always coming down. And yet religion gets you so focused on leaving that you're no earthly good for the kingdom. You just can't wait to get to the sweet by and by. Singing that old hymnal when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be. Well, I don't have to wait. I can rejoice now. I can rejoice now because I got the Holy Ghost on the inside. I got the joy of the Lord right here. I can have full joy right now. I can experience God right now. I can have heaven invade me right now. I just rejoice now. Why are you waiting to have a day of rejoicing? There's rejoicing in you right now. You house the third person of the Godhead. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Man, you ought to rejoice. Yeah. The spirit of the king is on the inside of you. Wow. Religion wants you to escape earth. The kingdom impacts, influences, and changes the earth. Religion wants you to take earth to heaven. But the kingdom brings heaven to earth. The king's words are not suggestions, but commands. And they are expected to be obeyed. Jesus said in John 3, 3, you must be born again. Well, I would really like for you to be born again. That'd be preferable. You know, if you have time, why don't you get born again? I mean, to be born again, yeah, maybe. You know, it's not really necessary because I'm going to pour out my blood for everybody anyway, take care of all that sin. Yeah, but you must be. You can't even have the life of God unless you do something. You can't have what love paid for unless you do something. You have to meet the condition love set for you to be born again. You do. Love does not make you born again, although it's provided for you to be born again. Which means people who go into the lake of fire go because they did not meet the condition that the Lord required for salvation. 
It won't be God's problem. It's theirs. He said this, we are commanded to love one another. In John 15, 17, he says, this I command you, that you love one another. That's pretty amazing. I don't understand. You know why there's so much backbiting in churches? Because they're religious places. Because you think you can look across the aisle at your brother and be offended with them and and because they've done you wrong and you don't have to love them. You don't have to forgive them. You can be upset with them. You can treat them with content. You know what they did? You know how they hurt so-and-so? You know how they messed up such-and-such? You know what they did to my family? You know how they affected me? Jesus says, it's not an option for you to sit like that. He said, did I forgive you? Then you must forgive. Commands it. It's not an option. It's not an option for you to sit here and you know you've got a problem with somebody. But it is when he's just savior. Well, he saved me. I'm going to go to heaven when I die. You know, that's all that matters. So I really don't have to, because I'm not going to do that. Lord, you know that hurt. Surely you're not going to make me do that. No, he's going to, he's requiring it. He won't make you do it, but he'll hold you accountable to what you're not doing. Okay. He said this, seek first the kingdom. In Matthew 6, 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. That's a command. Seek first. Well, when you have time, I know you're busy. You're working hard. You have a job. I get it. Jesus is not saying that. Now, your religious Jesus is saying that. Now, Jesus, you know how hard it is for me. I'll come and, you know, uh, uh, show up, you know, once a month. And, and you know, because I understand you died for me. I mean, I can give you 30 minutes to an hour. Right. I appreciate that. But, you know, I got a lot going on. I'm very busy. Jesus said, no, you're going to love me. He tells us how to love him. No, what you're going to do is you're going to love me with all. And I can't give you all now. You understand, I got some other stuff going on here. With all your heart, I gave him my whole heart. Lord, I give you my heart. People think they, I gave him my heart. Well, he said, you're going to love me with all your heart, all your soul. Soul is where your mind, will, intellect, emotions. So you'll act the fool emotionally. And like, Lord, you got to understand what I'm going through right now. And he's like, I understand you should shut your mouth, listen to my spirit, and get your emotions intact. That's what I understand. What I understand is that if you actually gave me your whole heart, I should get your whole soul, which means the way you think I should be the dominant thinker. You should renew your mind to my way of thinking because you're a king, you're royal. Quit living like a slave. Quit being bound to stinking thinking. I didn't create you to be stuck there. I made you a new creature in Christ. I've seated you in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I've made you royalty. You are no longer a slave, but you are a royal. You now uh, are in my kingdom and are of my nature, and I totally rewire the way you think. And it's not optional. All your soul, all your mind, and all your, I'm too tired to come to church, Pastor. Why'd you give your strength to the world? Come on. Come on. So you give God leftovers. Just go ahead and smile anyway. What's so great about this church is I'm only talking to the people on YouTube right now. <laughs> Amen. That's why they're not here today. <laughs> Because it was an option if they live in our town, right? Others, you know, I get it because they live in other states. But it's amazing how we don't recognize his lordship. I'm going to preach on lordship next week. We love Savior Jesus. So if we claim to be his followers and call him Lord, we must obey. But that's us making a conscious decision. Yes, Lord, I'll do it. Well, he's just a dictator. No, he's life. Because right. yeah. he, he's not a dictator. Yeah. He'll let you choose death. 
A dictator will only make you do what he says. Jesus says, I present to you life and choose because I'm giving you life. So choose it. But if you choose not to have it, you'll get the alternative. Adam, eat from any tree of the garden. You have more options than the one in the middle. <laughs> to be with me, there is way more. Are you hearing me? What Adam should have done when the snake came in, the serpent, he should have said, shut up and get out of the garden. How do we know he could have done it? Because Jesus said in Matthew, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Because when Satan wanted to lift his throne above the most high in Isaiah chapter 14 and created a rebellion um, in, uh, towards his kingdom in heaven, God cast him out. Adam had the same authority that God, he could have said, get out of the garden. The Lord already authorized me. He said, keep it. He didn't have to say, somebody's coming to take your dominion. He already gave him the word, keep it. Rule over everything on the earth. Creeping things were one of them. The serpent was kind of creepy. But he entertained that voice. So if we claim to be fathers, followers and call him Lord, we must obey him. Otherwise, he is not Lord. And we will never find the kingdom and never experience the fulfillment of our life purpose. It's amazing how many people uh, will live less lives. Because they don't truly make him Lord. Come on. So much so that I am actually really concerned that some are actually in the kingdom at all. So, Pastor, how could you say that? I'm not judging them. But all I know is the scripture says that we are to call on the name of the Lord to be saved. We are to have him supreme in authority. And the Lord himself will say, when they come to him and say, didn't we say, Lord, Lord? Yeah. He said, depart from me, I never knew you. He says, they confess me with their but their And there's a lot of people that have come down to the altar because they realize, wow, I'm caught. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to serve Jesus. I just don't want to go to hell. And being sorry for what you've done is not repentance. I've had my own kids that said they were sorry. Not because they actually were repentant is because they did not want the consequence that's, right. that's coming because of their disobedience. So they're looking for my mercy. But they're really just saying, I'll cover it up and do a better time, better job next time for not getting caught. And that's how a lot of people who come to church. How do I know? Because they hop from one church to the next. They jump to the next one, jump to the next one, jump to the next one. Because when God says, hey, I'm going to deal with you one thing. Come on. <laughs> I'm going to deal with you one thing. Yeah. Yes. There's one thing you lack. On. Son, there's one thing you lack. Honey, there's one thing you lack. Daughter, there's one thing you lack. Yeah, you're doing it all with your mouth. You're looking like you got it. Your religion, man, looks like you love God more than anybody. But your heart is far from me. I'm not Lord. Sometimes we have justified ourselves, which is really living a deceived life. When we determine with our minds which words from the king to obey and which ones we deem unnecessary. Kind of like the one when he says, do not forsake the assembling of yourself together. Yeah, that's right. Hallelujah. I got to work three or four jobs, man. I just can't make it to church. Why don't you work one? Get into God's economic system by tithe and offering. And don't miss church and watch him bring you increase. Can it be uncomfortable? Yes. But if you'll actually trust him instead of your own ability, you might find yourself somewhere better. Obedience produces righteousness. Are you hearing me? In Romans chapter 4, verse 20 to 22, it says, Yet with respect uh, to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully assured, or fully persuaded, one translation said, that, God, uh, that what God had promised, he was also 
he was able also to perform. Therefore, it was also credited to him as righteousness. Righteousness is not a religious word. It's actually a legal term, which means right positioning to be in correct alignment with the ruling standard. The world functions in righteousness every time they do the speed limit. Because that is the ruling standard of the highway. You'll never have to sweat when you pass a state trooper that's sitting in a median if you're doing. You will slam on the brakes when you see the state trooper in the median. Go ahead and just say amen because I know how you drive. Don't think I ain't going a little bit over too. I mean, I've gone a lot over actually sometimes. Amen. But I know I'm risking at the end of the day. And I wouldn't be like arguing. You know, you, yeah. Yeah, I was. And I'm going to have to pay the price. I get it. The difference between our, um, you know, Florida Highway Patrol is that they only see you when the radar's out and you go by their spot. But God sees you all the time, every time. And with God, it's even a little bit different because God does it like this. You're driving the speed limit. He's sitting in the squad car. He's clocking you. And then he comes out and runs you down. And now you're looking confused because you're like, I was doing the speed limit. And you pull over and God gets out of the squad car and says, give me your license and registration. You say, what's the problem, Lord? I was doing the speed limit. He said, yeah, I know you were doing it, but on the inside, you wanted to speed. So I'm writing you up for that. You say he would do that? If a man lusts after a woman in his own heart, even though he doesn't commit the sin of adultery, he's committed the sin of adultery. Oh, yeah, amen. I mean, that's how our Lord is. So what you thinking on the inside you want to do? And you, man, if I get away with it, I'd do it. I would do it. I would do it. I'm doing the speed limit, but I would do it. The Lord's like, fine, I'll just give you a ticket for that, bro. Hallelujah. No, righteousness is a legal term. And there ain't nothing better than being righteous. Knowing you're in right standing with God. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Isn't that amazing that you can come into church because you didn't do something on Saturday night that compromises your relationship with God. You're not thinking thoughts that are compromising your relationship with God. You're not having hidden things that are compromised. And you're free. You can come and worship. You can sing because you know you're pure. Because today, Lord, I'm doing everything you've asked me to do. And I'm, you made me righteous in my spirit. And I'm, ma- I'm living it out in my soul realm, my physical body. I'm not doing anything that is against what you would say. Because I have the capacity to always say, yes, Lord. I'll do it your way. Romans 14, 17 says it this way. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. Although you go to some churches, that's all they do is eat and drink. Just say amen anyway. And I'm not talking drinking milk and coffee. I'm talking stuff that affects their mind. But the, but the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. See, when you're righteous, peace is no problem. Peace and joy follow righteousness. Amen. So don't come up in here and go, wait a minute, I've been made righteous in Christ. Well, if you're living wrong, then you're going to feel condemned anyway. You can't be born again and be sleeping around and feel holy. You can't be lying, hustling, cheating, living a lawless life, yet born again. And God's like, he's okay with it. He's not okay with it. In fact, he's like, this is unacceptable because then you is the capacity to do nothing you're doing. I mean, I know they do it. I mean, they're cold. They can't help it. They're cut off. And this guy here, he's made righteous and he's living it. He's submitting his whole life to everything I say and he's living a pure life. But here you're lukewarm because on the inside you have capacity to live exactly like my kingdom says, but you're living like you're still in sin. I'm, I'm about to vomit. 
So don't let anybody dupe you in thinking that you shouldn't demonstrate the righteousness you've been made. Well, God knows I love him. Then do what he says. Let me tell you this and we'll close. God's kingdom cannot be separated from his righteousness. There's power in righteousness. The first thing when you're righteous, the government has a right. There's governmental obligation. When you are in right standing with the king, he's obligated to take care of your life. Obligated. There's governmental protection. When you're in right standing with the king, he's obligated to protect you. There's governmental support. When you are in right standing with the king, he is obligated to support your life, to uphold you in everything. There's governmental provision. When you are in right standing with the king, he provides you with everything you need to accomplish the purpose he has assigned to your life. Number five, governmental commitment. When you're in right standing with the king, the king is committed to take care of you. Committed. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He did not leave you on the earth so the devil can beat you up. And you can just can't wait to go to heaven. No, he gave you authority over that guy. And he's so far under your feet, it's not even comparable. Number six, governmental responsibility. When you're under the king's authority and in right relationship with the king, the king has a place of responsibility towards you. Number seven, righteousness activates the government. When you're in right standing with the king, you activate the entire machine of the government. The government is focused on you. It does everything for you. That's why Jesus said, come state your case. When you come and pray to me, go ahead and just tell me what I said about you. Bring it before me. Bring my word back to me. Bring me back in remembrance of my word. I'll do exactly what I said I'd do for you. Because we're in a kingdom, not in a religion. When I I close with this verse, 2 Chronicles 16, 9, it says this, For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the, not heaven, the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. It's those who love him with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. He's like, I'll bring my kingdom. I'm going to take care of them. I'm there for them. I got provision for them. I got a health care for them. There's no issue that I can't deliver them out of because I'm king. It says that he delivers the righteous out of all their trouble. Out of how much? If you're in trouble all the time, you might want to start looking at your righteousness. Now, you're going to have trouble. Jesus said in this life, you'll have trials and tribulations. Don't get me wrong. You can live righteous and have conflict. That's right. But if you're in perpetual conflict, then you need to examine your own life. Because Jesus did not save you so that you can still live a miserable existence, a sinner saved by grace. He saved you so you can no longer be the sinner, but be the believer. Be a child of the king. And now have dominion over your own environment to where you can rise up and say, it is written, my king has said, and whatever he speaks, he does. And whatever he commands, it comes to pass. Because God is able to do exactly what he has promised. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we honor you. We thank you. You are the king of kings and the Lord of lords. We honor you so much. We thank you for your kingdom. We thank you that in the beginning, you made man to have dominion. In the end, there will only be a nation of kings on the new earth that serve with you, a holy nation, a peculiar people, a royal priesthood. But in between, until that takes place, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven through our lives. Because we are no longer sinners, we are Believers, by the grace of God, through our faith that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the grave. He saved me from something and made me someone. And it's time for the kings to rise. It's time for the kings of the earth to rise and walk in your dominion, to walk in your kingship, to walk in your royal privileges, and to begin to see Jesus, not just your Savior, but the righteous king, 
the righteous judge, the one who's coming back to rule and reign with us. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you want more, subscribe to our message podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Rating and leaving a comment will go a long way with helping our messages get better circulation. If you'd enjoy watching our weekend messages, visit youtube.com forward slash anchor faith. We'd love it if you'd subscribe, leave a comment or a like on the messages. If you'd like to find out more information about us and how we're influencing the world and help support the work we're doing by giving, just visit anchorfaith.com.